Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you. That we recognize we are alive in you. Our real life is hid in Christ. And we just pray today as we move on into your word that you'll speak to us, Lord, collectively, but individually, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, you can kind of speak between the lines, you can fill in the blanks, you can speak to each person in here in a very unique way. And we pray for those right now that don't really know you. They know about you, but they don't know you. They'll come to know you today. And we just want to say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why well, you can tell your neighbor you look marvelous and have a seat and we'll get ready to go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, does anybody in this here church have a Bible? If you do, hold it up. You can use your phone if you use that or your little electronic device. Well, let's hold it up. Hopefully no dust fall on anybody. Shake it a little bit. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. You get it or not? There's some, there's some switchblades out there. There's some big old swords out there too. Repeat after me if you believe that. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. We're in the right place. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I've got a message for you entitled, Dream Quest. Steps to your dream in 2013. I really believe God's going to do something we've never seen in 2013. I mean, just to what's going on in the economy, government, but what God's doing in our church, I really believe it's going to be something we've never seen. And there's a scripture to back that. I know we hear this maybe New Year's or different times of year, but I, this is really kind of burning and, and, and standing out. Isaiah 43:18. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness for my people to come home. I will create rivers for them in the desert. The wild animals in the field will thank me, the jackals and ostriches too, for giving them water in the wilderness. Yes, I will make springs in the desert so my chosen people can be refreshed. What did you see God do around you and through you last year? What about in the church? I mean, God did some amazing things. I mean, there was one Sunday... In just a very simple, quick altar call, 20 people got up and walked over to that cross to give their lives to Christ. I mean, there's people that have been saved, delivered. There's people that have been healed. There's some people who got bad reports, but they got some good reports. There's some, there's some miracles took place. And in all we saw last year, God is going to do a new thing in 2013. An amazing thing. That new thing, that means bigger, better, mightier than we've seen before. And I believe 2013 is going to be a year of explosive growth. Uh, especially for our church. But for the church to grow, we have to grow. Do you understand that? And God wants to grow us. And why does He want to grow us? Because He can do more through us if we grow, if we expand ourselves. Now, there's an argument that can be made that our government's in the business of not growing things. Here's an example. This is an actual letter on the desk. came to the desk to Don Genero, Honorable Secretary of Agriculture, Washington, D.C. And this is a letter he received. Dear Sir, 
My friend Dan Hansen over in Mitchell, South Dakota, received a check for $50,000 from the government for not growing corn. So I want to go into the not growing corn business. What I want to know is, in your opinion, what's the best kind of farm not to grow corn on? What's the best kind of corn not to raise? And I want to be sure I approach this endeavor in keeping with all government policies. As I see it, the hardest part of the not growing corn program is keeping accurate inventory of how much corn I haven't grown. My friend Hansen is very, very joyful about the future of his business. He's been going, growing corn for 20 years or so, and the best he's ever made is $20,000 in 1988. Until this year when he got your check for the 50000 for not growing 7,000 bushels of corn. If he got 50000 for not growing 7,000 bushels of corn, I could get 100000 for not growing 14,000 bushels of corn. Please reply soon. I want to get started as soon as possible, as this seems to be a good time of the year for the not growing corn business. Now, our government has a knack for making things not grow, but God has a knack for making things grow. He really does. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. See, we just have to get ourselves planted, and God can do the rest. It says, My job was to plant the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but it was God, not me, who made it grow. An ancient Chinese proverb says, If you're planting for one year, grow rice. If you're planting for 20 years, grow trees. If you're planting for centuries, grow men. If we want to see the church grow, we have to grow individually as men and women of God. We have to grow. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get bigger. Not a good time of year to say that, is it? Anybody ever heard of Sir Edmund Hillary? He is the guy that first conquered Mount Everest. But the first time he tried, he failed. But still the queen had this big banquet, a big gala for him. And they celebrated his attempt to conquer the mountain. And the people, he was sitting at the head table. And right behind him was a picture of Mount Everest. And as the people gave him a standing ovation and they applauded, he turned around and looked at that picture. And he said, Mount Everest, you've conquered me once. You might conquer me again. But you're not going to get any bigger. And I am. Ooh, that's powerful. We've got to get bigger. Albert Einstein said this, The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. We've got to go to that next level. So let's evaluate our growth in 2012. Your spiritual growth. How much time, can I ask this to yourself, how much time did I spend in the Word? How consistent was my prayer life? Did my witness help bring anybody to Jesus? Did my giving reflect my heart to God? Was worship and church a priority? So how was your spiritual life last year? And what changes are going to be necessary to make that next level this next coming year? You know, a lot of times we have New Year's resolutions and different things and goals. I found a guy by the name of Alex. These are some New Year's resolutions he's had over the years. And you can look at slide one with me. 19, in 2007, I'll read at least 20 books a year. 2008, I'll read at least 10 books a year. 2009, I'll read five books a year. And then finally, in 2010, I'll finish the Pelican Brief. 2011, I'll read some articles in the newspaper this year. 2012, I'll read at least one article this year. 2013, I'll try and finish the comic section this year. <laughs> Let's go to slide two. We'll try that one. We haven't done that in the other services. 2010, I'll try to be a better husband to Marge. 2011, I will not leave Marge. 2012, I'll try for reconciliation with Marge. 2013, I'll try to be a better husband to Wanda. <laughs> not, a, not good resolution. How about weight loss? 2007. I'll get my weight down below 180. 2009. I'll watch my calories until I get below 290. 
2009, I'll follow my new diet religiously until I get below 200. 2010, I'll try to develop a realistic attitude about my weight. 2011, I'll work out five days a week. The next year, I'll work out three days a week. And finally, I'll drive by the gym at least once a week. Oh, there we go. We got some amens on that one. And the last one. I'll go to church every Sunday in 2010. 2011, I'll go to church as often as possible. And then I'll set time aside each day for prayer and meditation. And in 2013, I'll try to catch a late night sermonette on TV. Hopefully, we're going to do better than that. Amen? I think some people in this room are. So I talked about steps to your dream in 2013. We kind of talked about 2013 and goals. Let's kind of work our way backwards and talk about dreams. I believe everyone has a dream. Now, we may not all share it, but there's something in there. Matter of fact, when I was growing up, and if you've come to this church at all, you've heard my story. But when I was a freshman in high school, I had a dream to play pro football. But at weighing 100 pounds, soaking wet, that's not something I'd share with people. They just laugh at me. But by my junior year, man, I grew up to a whopping 135 pounds, 5 foot 7. I was a starting quarterback for our football team, the Clay Center Wildcats in Clay Center, Nebraska. And my first two games, I completed four passes to the other team. No completions to our team. So that's kind of the way I... So that's not a dream I would share. But yet I went on to play eight years of professional football. And in, and in that, it was just something God put in my heart that I just kept trying and I'd get cut here. I mean, I was cut 13 times. Fired, basically. But I just kept going. It was just something God put in me to keep trying and not give up. But in that, I end up... God creates a new league called the USFL. And it's in that I end up in Jacksonville, Florida, end up in a chapel service, and somebody tells me, God has a plan for your life, and all of a sudden I'm realizing, and he asked me a question, if I died, would I go to heaven or hell? And I didn't know, and I asked, I said a prayer to ask Christ in my life. I got saved in a football chapel service. I go back to the next year, and he tells me about a ministry involves, I end up in the ministry, speaking in high school, sharing my testimony. And so that whole thing God put in me was just a path to get me here. And then I almost was in the Grey Cup, the Super Bowl, and then I get hurt and get cut, but just thank God I didn't get famous enough or good enough to just keep me off track that I ended up in the ministry. And I just say, praise God. But listen, to, first of all, I believe the dreams we have are God-inspired, and God places a seed in our heart, and that seed can produce a dream, and when you hang around Christ, that dream can reach its potential. These dreams have come to pass. Psalm 139, 16. God says this. I saw, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. I mean, God is wrapped up inside you, destiny and a reason for living. That's wrapped up inside you like uh, the genetic code in a seed and has all that potential. You know, archaeologists found a 5,000-year-old petrified canoe with a seed in it by the Nile River. They took this seed out. I mean, this is back when the pharaohs died. They took this seed out, put it in the soil, watered it, put it in the sun, and within a matter of days, this plant comes up with a beautiful pink lotus flower. And, I mean, the botanists are, you know, they can film it and see how it happens and document it, but still, they're blown away by how this thing could come to life. How that potential, that seed that had been laying dormant for centuries, all of a sudden springs to life. And I want to tell you, God can do that in you. He put seeds of destiny in you and nothing can keep them from springing forth when they're planted in good soil and have good atmospheric conditions. Spiritually, what is good soil? I use this scripture in the offering. Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted 
in the house of the Lord will prosper or flourish in the courts of their God. First of all, the church represents good soil. You need to find a good church. And planted means you're involved. Financially, spiritually, you're serving, you're doing things. You're committed. You're not just going to church, you are the church. And good atmosphere represents that time you spend in the Word, in prayer, in worship, spending time in the presence of God. Listen to this statement. It's kind of a paragraph by Joyce Myers. God is always on the move. He created us to have goals and dreams, to be reaching for more in our life in Christ. When God gives you a dream, it's like becoming pregnant. You conceive, think, or imagine a vision of the new thing He's planned in you. Now you have to make it through the pregnancy and get to full term to birth the fulfillment of it. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, For a dream comes with much business and painful effort. That's why people abort their dreams before they reach full term. God plants a seed or a dream in them. They become pregnant. And when they find out it'll take effort, become costly and uncomfortable to complete their preparation for the birth, they decide it really wasn't God's will after all and go and do something else. Powerful words by Joyce Myers. You know, God wants to encourage us to go through the hard part. Because if you don't, you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied going after kind of your dreams. I'm telling you, it's that God dream that's inside of you that'll satisfy you. And a dream doesn't drive you, it draws you. It's like a big magnet that'll just kind of draw you toward it. And a dream, that dream that God, it didn't even originate in you. It resides in you because God put it there. And when you try to pursue a dream that's not a God dream or without God, you'll find it's hollow and unsatisfying. And every person must come to Christ to find out that real dream they have in their life, just like I did. And not every dream is from God. There's such thing as godless dreams. But if a dream's a God dream, it's unstoppable. And apart from Jesus, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, your dreams are going to be frustrating. But with Christ, He can give you the power, the energy, the creativity to fulfill those dreams. And the most common, crucial question that gets asked is, how do I know if that dream I have is from God? Tommy Barnett has, I think, a great answer. Six points that I read in ministry today. Tommy Barnett says this, and number one, you've heard me say this before. You know it's a God dream if it's bigger than you. I mean, that's because if you can do it on your own, Hey, it's not much of a God dream, but if it's, oh my, I don't think I can do this. Boom, exactly right. You need my help to accomplish this. Number two, you can't let it go. Number three, you'd be willing to give everything for it. Number four, it'll last forever. And number five, really catch this. It meets a need nobody else has met. That means there's people you can reach I can't reach. There's some needs that only you can see. And six, it brings glory to God. You know, I was talking to somebody this week in our church that just knows there's more and they just find themselves kind of just sitting on the pew and, 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 and being kind of held back for whatever reasons. But they started sharing their heart for homeless people in jail. And we just started about, I mentioned one homeless person. Boom, they know who it was. Yeah, I took him a blanket there not too long ago. And then I thought about somebody else that's going around handing out bags to people, you know, and, and, and has a heart. But just think how many little individual dreams are in here. What if all these people begin to come together? And we begin to work together as a team. There's a place, I just read a, uh, about Tommy Barnett, some quotes from him. You know, he, if you know anything about him, he started, God called him to church in Iowa. He's praying for a church. And God made it clear, go to Iowa. And he's thinking, Iowa? 
My word. He was thinking the beach, a big city, and he's in Iowa. But this church goes from, like, I think, 30 or 40 people, goes to thousands. They start a sidewalk Sunday school program and start busing people in. You know who's the head over that program? A young man by the name of Bill Wilson. He's a guy that has the largest Sunday, sidewalk Sunday school ministry all over the world. He's in, in New York. He was spoke at this church one time. But that was birthday. He goes to, finally goes to Arizona and starts a huge church. But his thing he says to his congregation, find a need and meet it. Find a need and meet it. And they do that. There's over 500 ministries in that church. His son went to start a, a place called the Dream Center. Has anybody heard of the Dream Center? It's in California. They bought an old hospital. They reach, I'm telling you, everybody. Do service projects. Now there's Dream Centers all over America. How many want to believe with me for a Dream Center in Texarkana? I, I think our church can pull it off. When God begins to reveal the, the people that can organize it and administrate. And, because I know there's a heart for it in our city. Amen. Now, when everyone has dreams. It's unfortunate a lot of Christians aren't living out their dreams. God doesn't give us dreams to only have us feel frustrated for the rest of our lives. He gives us dreams so they'll turn into reality. And so why is it so many of these dreams don't come to pass? I think one reason is because too many of us are waiting on God to perform it. We're not taking the steps of faith necessary to see these dreams come to pass. So let's go work our way back. We talked about 213 dreams. Let's talk about steps. Okay? Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in their way. So let's take this word steps. The first letter, the letter S, stands for start. Say start. The first thing you have to do to climb a mountain, take the first step. You just got to start. Let's say you want to exercise and lose some weight. First of all, the hardest part to me is just getting to the gym door and opening the door. If you can get the door open, chances are you'll probably get something done. But if you want to lose weight, basically you have to lose more calories than you take in. You know, kind of like your bank account. You got to put more money in than you take out or it just doesn't work. But physically, if you burn up more calories than you take in, you're going to lose weight. If you eat less calories than you burn up, you're going to lose weight. With me, I got to burn up more calories just so I can eat more. And I'm starting to see the effect of it here these last few weeks. So I got to kind of get back into the calorie burning business. But let's just say, oh man, I, I, I want to walk a mile or run a mile. Whew, a mile. That's a, you know what? A mile is approximately 2,000 steps to hit a mile. So what do you do? One, two, three. Okay, you're three steps closer now. And maybe you can do this crazy thing. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because my wife's not here right now. Is when you go to Target, park a little farther away. You know, have a little longer walk. Now, us, we'll drive around an hour to get the closest spot. But anyhow. <laughs> steps to your dream. First, you just got to start. Start taking steps towards your dream. If you don't think you have a dream, press into God. Press into Him. Say, God, I need to know. I need to find out. And He'll give you that. The T stands for trust. Say trust. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Trust, and he shall bring it. I don't care. You might feel like, man, I've gotten so far off course. I'm telling you, one prayer, one altar call, boom, you can be right back on. Right back on target. What about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Acknowledge him. On a job. Man, I give God glory for giving me wisdom to get this done. He'll direct your path. Acknowledge him. And you know, the shortest path is not always the quickest. And the quickest path is not always the shortest. 
And sometimes there's just a little training you've got to have before you start the raining. You've got to get out there and get a little... Uh, just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust your Father. Father knows best. Amen? The E stands for expect. Say expect. Now when a woman's pregnant, we say she's expecting. Okay? That's the part we must do to reach full term and not give up and see these dreams come to pass that God's put in us. If we've we got to keep expecting. We've got to be aggressive. That means we've got to be talking to God about it, preferably every day, because the enemy will come every day to steal, kill, and destroy the plan God has for you. So you've got to keep it for God. You've got to speak it out. And it's easy to, to fall into a passive attitude and say, well, let's just see what happens. But we've got to resist that wait-and-see kind of person, and instead we've got to be focused and determined and go after it. I was challenged when I was in San Antonio. Uh, we really wanted a house, and, you know, I would kind of, God, do something here. Just kind of waiting. God, do something. And I saw my friend Mike Kagan, who's uh, the founder of the strength team and speaks all over uh, America and the world in schools and doing the power feet stuff. But I saw him, and his credit was worse than mine, and it wasn't good. But I saw he'd go to banks, he'd start asking, he'd find his loan, and boom, he had a house. I said, okay, i got to get aggressive. And, I just, and our house we got now, we're living in, I remember it was December 16th, back 10, 11 years ago, that I really felt God say, this is the house. And it was some member from our church, a single mom with some kids, and we got a call that night during our uh, youth Christmas party that the house started on fire. And we got and looked the next day, and it's burnt right through the ceiling, the bedroom and the kitchen. And I'm thinking, okay, God, now what's the deal? I thought this was a house. And I had to get back and press into God to the point where I heard him say, this is the house. And I drew a little picture that turned out to be the addition we have on our house. But I had to get aggressive. I brought a Christian construction worker out there, and I said, could you do anything with this? No, don't even touch it. I go, oh, man. But you know what? God brought another construction worker to our church. It just started. God delivered from uh, years of addiction to alcohol and he walked out there so I can get it done. And he went the extra mile. But I had to go to the bank to get this long. I mean, I had to be a little aggressive. But you know what? God did it. God did it, but I had to move a little bit too. I had to trust. I had to expect. I have that faith. And David did that. Look what it says in Psalm 27, 13. This is David. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He kept that faith up. He kept that trust. The P stands for purpose. Say purpose. When I think of David, I think of the word trust. Because if you just type in trust in, a, in the little Google part, in, in a concordance, boom. You'll just see Psalms, scriptures. The word trust is in so many of the Psalms. Because David, I just see that over his life. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of the word purpose. I mean, that man was focused and purposed. And before he was a Christian... I mean, he, his heart was set on killing Christians, putting them in jail, doing whatever. But when he got saved, man, he went 180 degrees the other way. And man, it was telling his testimony. Well, no matter where he was at. Listen to this verse he wrote while he was in jail. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my change are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul could have shut down when he went to prison, but he used that obstacle as an opportunity to spread the gospel, to fulfill his purpose. And Paul's sense of purpose kept him from quitting. And look what purpose can do. They're going to put a slide up there. A purpose will motivate you. A purpose will keep your priorities straight. A purpose will develop your potential. 
A purpose will give you power to live in the present. And a purpose will evaluate, help you evaluate your progress. Just leave that up a little bit if somebody wants to write that down. But God has a plan and a purpose for you. He's put a dream inside of you. You need to find it, feed it, and fulfill it. Ooh, that's good. Let's say that together. You need to find it, feed it, and fulfill it. But God has a plan for you. I remember that chapel service I went to. That's the thing that just burned when that guy spoke it. He said, God loves you and has a plan for you. I thought, that sounds good. Because I'm in the middle of what I thought was my dream. I mean, I had a nice girl, nice car, you know, playing ball. But it's like something missing. About the time I'm thinking that, he draws a circle on his chest. He said, that's a God hole. You can try putting whatever you want in there and never satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is your relationship with God. That's the only way you're going to find out that plan he has for you. And I'm telling you, God did it. But you've got to invite him in your life to find that out. Now, great leaders can either surrender their circumstances or they can surrender a cause that's so great that their circumstances don't matter. Think about that. When you surrender to your circumstances, you're going to have good days and bad days. But when you surrender to a cause, I mean, your purpose never dies. I mean, you can have good days wherever you go. The last letter, S, stands for serve. Say serve. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It does not say the sitting of a good man, the laying on the couch of a good man. The word steps signifies movement. And the best way to move in the spirit is by serving. You just begin to serve. Begin to serve. See, first of all, let me tell you a little secret. The dream God's put inside of you, it's a ministry. Say this. Say, I am a minister. That's kind of a little tough at times. Wait a minute. You're the minister. You're the guy behind that pulpit. No, the Bible says you are. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4, it says the five-fold ministry, you know, prophet, teacher, pastor, all of our job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Is there any saints out there? If you didn't raise your hand, that means you're an ain't. And if you're an ain't, come to the altar afterwards so you can become a saint. Ah, got you sleeping that time, didn't I? Any saints out there? Oh, a few more hands. Amen. But the word minister means servant. That's what it means. It means servant. Galatians 5.13 You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The word serve is a command. It's not optional. It's a matter of obedience. And we even have a class to help you with that. Coming in the new year, it's not be the first Wednesday, but it'll be the second Wednesday. We have the Connect class. I mean, at any time you can go on our website and do a spiritual gifts test, but in that class, uh, you'll learn your spiritual gifts. So we have coaches that'll meet with you that'll help you find opportunities to serve. And what's amazing, we have people in this church that have been here 15 years and haven't served. And we have people that went through the Connect class, and within a week or two, they're beginning to serve. Find a place to serve. It just creates movement. It's hard. Somebody told me this, and I experienced it. It's hard to steer a parked car, especially without power. You just can't turn it. But you begin to move it, what happens? How can God steer you? How can he guide you if you're not moving? Just begin to move. Find a place to serve. Because when you're serving, you're moving. When you're moving, God can direct you. When he's directing you, he can lead you into that dream he has for you. Now, how do you reach a big dream? How do you reach anything big? One step or one goal at a time is the way you can do it. 
First, prosper where you're planted, just like Joseph did. Remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? He had that dream. Sometimes you just don't share your dream with anybody, do you? He ended up in the pit, but he prospered in the pit. He went to prison. He prospered in the prison. Then he ends up in the palace, and he prospered there. Prosper where you're planted. Because why? Joseph, he maintained an attitude of faith and an attitude of gratitude. I could just picture him continue just to thank God. He would continue to trust the dream giver, the one that gave him that dream. Going back to Apostle Paul, this one scripture will work for you for this new year. Philippians 3.13. Because we talk about dreams, sometimes it's like, that's just a big thing. Woo. But just pull it, pull it back down to this scripture. But it says, brethren, I do not, my count, do not count myself as apprehended or reached it yet, but one thing I do, just one thing, just bring it back to one thing. Forget those things which are behind. Reach forward to those things. That are Forget the excuses. Forget the condemnation and the enemy saying, you did this, you what, what, what. Just press on to Jesus. Listen to it in the Message Bible. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I mean, if you'll just press into Jesus. Press, and matter of fact, this January, because it's going to come up real fast, I hear, just a matter of days. But that first Sunday, I think it's the 6th, the first Sunday in January, we are starting on the Sunday of 6th, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And you can fast whatever level you want. We'll have some information. But that Sunday night, we're just going to come and just pray, just worship. And I'm telling you, that's a great way, just pressing into Jesus. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Another version says violent men are pressing into it. Passionate men are pressing into it. We need to press into Jesus. Just like the woman with the issue about she pressed through the crowd so she get a hold of Jesus. We've got to get a hold of Jesus this new year, individually and as a church. And these goals and dreams are hidden Christ. That's where your real exciting life's at, according to the Word of God. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Last scripture tonight. This morning. This afternoon. It's time for lunch. <laughs> if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's where your dreams are at, in Christ. Press into Him. You know, as parents, you know, we always want the best for our children. And a lot of times we might try to vicariously live out our dreams and our children, the dreams maybe we didn't reach or, or have, or we just see something in them, we kind of push them to something maybe we want them to do. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. You break that down, it's train up each child in the way he should go. D- did anybody notice we're different? Seen how your children are different? I mean, sometimes I mean, night and day. That's why you got to say, God, what do you have for my child? And really give them some freedom in that area. Uh, let's watch a little video first with Will Smith in it. It's entitled, Go Get It. But basically he realizes, hey, as a father, you know, this kid's got a passion. I can't have him do what, you know, I couldn't do or what I want him to do. But, you know, he has a dream. Amen? But let me tell you a real one here going on. My son Michael, a lot of you might know him. He's 23 years old. As a matter of fact, he represents how long I've been here. Because he was about two months old when I stepped into this position here at Church on the Rock. So his growth has kind of represented my growth. And he went to Redwater High School. 
And, you know, I have kind of a passion for football, and I saw he was athletic. And, and his one at junior high, he ran a kickoff back in football. I'm thinking, yeah. And he's going to have a great season. He could go on to play professional. And, but he plays at Redwater. And their senior year, they don't win a game. He hardly gets a pass thrown to him. You can tell he is not very passionate. He almost quit, but I said, you're not going to quit. You start something, you finish. And so he went through it. I'm proud of him. But it just was no passion there. And he ran track and started doing real well in hurdles. And they're they really good. Set some records there. And we're at the time where it's getting down to the wire to go to college. And not really sure what to do. We go to North Texas State. And the track coach is not really thrilled. And said, you can walk on, but you're not guaranteed anything. And, and so we're just, what do we do? And I went to school in Nebraska at a college called Doan College, a little college in Crete, Nebraska, a town of 4,000. You know, I, I might have suggested it once, and I'd maybe talked to the coach one time. But we're coming back from this one college trying to figure out what to do. And the uh, football track coach calls and said, could I talk to your son? And he offers him a full ride to go to college there, you know, for that first year. And so it was his choice, and he prayed about it, and he said, I feel like I need to go to Nebraska. And his parents were not that thrilled about it, and he's not thrilled about going to the little town in the snow and all that stuff, but he just, and he stuck it out. And I just, uh, it was amazing kind of being stuck up there by yourself and your close family. But his first year, he runs track, and he pulls a muscle, one of the first meets, so he's got to rehab the whole year. But he's in theater, and he gets a leading role his freshman year, and he, there's just a grace on it. The second year comes, and he runs the 400 hurdles, and in running him, he ends up getting, uh, you know, uh, all-conference and in the 400-meter hurdles, the first time he really ran them that year, and I'm thinking, the Olympics, yeah, we're talking Olympics, and I'm going to be able to go to the Olympics, because my son can, and we're kind of thinking that way, and, but he comes to this time of year, and it's January, and there's a big theater thing going on. He got an award. He's supposed to go somewhere to Kansas City and perform. And the track meet's coming up. And he talks to the track coach. And the track coach says, you got to run or you're not, you know, you got to run indoor or you can't do it at all. So I said, well, you got to decide, son. I mean, just pray, go where the piece is. And he just walked away from the track and just went theater full speed because it just took so much time. And then after he graduated, I mean, he got a bunch of awards. But he goes to California, because where when a dream like that, where do you got to go? It was either Chicago, New York, or California. So he goes to California. He's now living in North Hollywood, and he's been doing some background stuff. He's been on CSI and Castle and a bunch of things. You know, enough money to kind of eat on the dollar menu at Taco Bell. So he gets a supplement job. He's working full-time at the Do-It Center, uh, kind of a hardware store, and he's the paint manager. But he takes three weeks off for Christmas to come back here to visit us, and right before he leaves, he puts an application in for this movie he's hearing about that they're filming. And the casting director calls him and says, well, and he sends in another thing, and they go back and forth, and while he was here, they call and say, hey, I think we have a breakout role that you might be good for. We're about 95%, because we've got a guy, and this is the producers from Courageous and Fireproof, and say, we have this guy that is done before is a great actor, but somehow we just think we need a different look. And so he happened, and he doesn't have an agent. When I pray in the mornings for him, I pray, God, you represent him. You be his agent. And I know he's praying that way. And so they sign him, and they get him there, and they start talking with the direct, with the casting agent, and she finds out he's a Christian, that, is, that he's been in the ministry. He's a youth pastor. And, it, and she goes, I'm so, I, you don't know how much, see, they didn't even know he's a Christian. You don't know how much I've been praying. And then the first scene he does, he's, he's kind of a, a military outfit, and so he's one of the bad guys. As a matter of fact, it's, um, 
Well, first of all, he's just pumped. We'll show a picture here. He shows up to the, in Jackson, Mississippi, and he's the bald guy there. And uh, he's one of the bad guys. But he goes to this trailer, and there's a trailer with a star on it with his screen name on it. Web 266 is his name. And he, Dad, you won't believe this. And he is just pumped. But he does his first scene where he jumps out of a car with all of his military stuff and says, secure the area. And after they did the scene, the producer comes over. He said, man, I have got the right guy in the right spot. But you think about that journey and how just randomly that he's one of the only guys from California that they even got that they're filming in Jackson, Mississippi. They've already filled the first half of the movie. It's called Rumors of War. You might recognize the guy in that middle of the picture between the producers. That's Julia Roberts' brother, Eric Roberts. They filmed the first half, and now they're doing the second half. And, hey, go to Facebook. Sign up and like it. And maybe if they see a bunch of uh, spikes this weekend, maybe we'll be the first to be able to premiere whatever they do with it. But they, wanted, they said, yeah, let your church know. Keep us in prayer that the filming go well, good weather, and just God does what he wants with it. But just think about how God can order steps. Now, that's kind of a, you know, maybe a big dream that a lot of us might not see, but it was something God put in his heart. My brother-in-law is back here right now. He lives in Montana. He's a big game guide. But he was sitting here last night, and I, I just when I was sitting there, I just thought of this story, how God, what God did in his life. He has a passion for hunting. Matter of fact, I'm in Clay Center, Nebraska, uh, kind of training, working for my dad at the grain elevator, and this guy kind of rolls in from Chicago, from Illinois, and he goes, and he's shooting up all of our pheasants and all of our ducks, and he's just passionate about hunting and kind of going overboard. And at first, we're kind of, I don't know about this guy, maybe we ought to run him out of town. But got to know him, and he gets to know my sister. They get married. And then he says, yeah, I think we're going to move to Alaska and I'm going to be a big game guide in Alaska. I'm thinking, yeah, you can just fly up to Alaska, walk out, look at some land and say, hey, I think I'll take this land and I'll be a big game guide. But you know, he went up there, he started working for somebody. He's been in that business 29 years. And he, I mean, he has land in Alaska and Montana, but here his partner by the name of Dan, this was several years ago, I got to know him a little bit and witnessed a little bit, but they both call me, my brother-in-law and this guy, Dan, and they call me on a three-way phone call, and, they, and my brother-in-law says, hey, you know what? Dan wants to ask Christ into his life, and he wants all three of us to pray with him together. And this is a guy in real estate, great influence. And the other, just, I, that's just one person that he's touched just through his passion of honey. But just think of this, when somebody flies in from all over the world, he books like two and three years in advance, they fly into Alaska, drive three hours, get on a float plane, fly out, land in the middle of a lake, and then they get on horses and ride back 15 minutes into their camp. Does not he have a captive audience? I mean, hard telling how many between my sister and, and his family that just, if nothing else, you know, just see the life of Christ lived out in action. First of all, on that stone, there was a word, unless... And he said to that boy, unless someone like you cares a whole lot, things will not get better. Jack, unless someone cares a whole lot, things are not going to get better. Jan, unless someone like you cares a whole lot, things are not going to get better. Why did I call you two out? First of all, all of us. First of all, I felt earlier prophetically that uh, there's some big things that you know that God wants to do in and through you. And he's just given you a huge heart. And that's why a lot of times it gets trampled on or you get hurt. You just hand it out there so much, but just keep giving it out. I mean, just you've got a huge heart. Let God use it. And I know, Jack, you've got big dreams. 
And sometimes it's like, oh, when is this going to happen? When's that? I mean, just keep taking steps, just like you're doing. Keep taking steps, and you'll see some of those big dreams come to pass. And that's for anybody in here. But listen to this. He said, unless someone like you cares a whole lot, things will not get better. Unless someone like our church cares a whole lot, Texarkana is not going to get any better. And he made one other statement about that seed. He had that seed. This is just a little seed from a live oak tree. But he said, it's not about what it is. It's about what it can become. I mean, just look at your neighbor. He said, it's not about who you are. It's what you can become. I mean, just think about that a minute. Amen? Well, that's all I have to say about all that. Amen? Amen. Just close your eyes and let's say a prayer. But I do want to thank you. The seeds of destiny in here. The dreams. Lord, that we can actually... See things happen in 2013, Lord. Lord, as a church, individually. And Lord, our real life is hid with you in Christ. Let us press into you like never before. And Lord, I know there's a burden on me because I need as an evangelist to provide opportunities for our church to get out there in the highways and byways. And Lord, I know there's people that have a passion. Lord, as I was talking earlier this week, somebody had a passion for the homeless, and I mentioned a homeless person, they knew their name, and they said, I just took them a blanket this week. And somebody else had, had uh, been t- delivering little bags to things. But Lord, there's little uh, people here and there. What if we all come together, Lord? Help us to come together. And Lord, really begin to see these dreams come to pass individually and collectively. Now, with every eye closed, and just kind of between you and God, If you're in this room and you really, even this talking about dreams, you just kind of, do I even have a dream? You just can't even question it. You wonder. I mean, you just lift up your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, show me that dream. Show me what it is. And you can just put your hand back down. There's others in here that for whatever reason, you just feel like your dream's kind of buried. The enemy's been kicking dirt on it or whatever. You just, something's holding you back and, and, you know, you just want God to kind of, with a fresh wind, just kind of blow freshness on it. You hold up your hand for a minute and then just put it back down. And now there's those in here that, I mean, you're just ready to go for that dream. You're ready for, for God to make it more clear. To be, take, just begin to lift your hand to the Lord and just begin to thank Him. He's going to reveal it. He's going to begin to help you take steps toward that in Jesus' name. Now, you can look up here. I want to ask a question before we go. If you died today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Do you really know that plan God has for you? Because the first step to do that is the step to ask Christ into your life. He's not going to force his way in. You have to give him opportunity. And like I said, with me, it was in a chapel service in front of football players that were bigger than me, and I just raised my hand, and I said, pray for me. And we said a little prayer together, and I'm telling you, my life began to change. And so if you're in this room and you're not sure where you spend eternity, if you're not sure about that plan, want God to reveal it to you, to you you've gotten off course, whatever it is, and you don't have a relationship with Christ, or you've gotten off track, I want you to hold your hand up right now and we'll say a prayer for you. We've been praying for you. Anybody need to get right with God? I see your hand. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Hand back there. I see your hand. Young person back there. Anybody else? You need to get things right with God. Turn those lights up all the way so people can see. Amen. I see your hand. I talked to you and I know where you're at. You're ready to get, just get things going. Anybody else? Need things, get right with God, get back on track. Invite Him into your life for the first time. See some people that are just kind of recommitting. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an altar team come up here. If you raise your hand here at the last, just far as your relationship with Christ, I want you to go over to the cross when our altar team comes up. And just, if nothing else, maybe you've done this before, but just that going to the cross and just saying, yes, Jesus, you know, I'm going to fulfill this thing you put in me. And 
then you can come back over, somebody will pray with you. But also there's some little material there, a good little book to help you on your walk, just to get you going. Amen. God's got some big things in you, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Amen. Take some steps toward it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet. Altar workers come up. And some of you, a lot of ways this is just a message you take home and meditate on and, and you press in the first year. But some of you need to come up and get prayer. Some of you need like jumper cables. You need to have somebody grab your hands and just, just kind of get this thing going again. Get to moving. And so whatever your prayer need is, you need healing in your body, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I promise you that's the answer to some of your getting moving. Being full of the Spirit. Being filled. Getting that new prayer language. And just to say, hey, pray that I be filled with the Spirit. And whatever it is, whatever your prayer need is this morning, the altars are open, whether it's about a dream or just something about a relationship or wisdom, whatever it is, we're going to sing through once. I'll formally dismiss you. And I'm going to stay around here too to pray. I feel like there's some people, I felt this last night, and it just came back to me again. There's some people feel like you're kind of locked up and you're just not able to move for whatever reason. Something's got you held back. There's some chains, something holding you back. You're kind of locked up and I'll pray with you. But let's go ahead and sing once through and I'll formally dismiss you. Begin to come to the altar. There is no word like our God.